G'day community and welcome to the Jock Reynolds Supercoach Podcast. I'm Lek Dog and we're brought to you today by a couple of very special sponsors. The first one is Supercoach Champion, www.supercoachchampion.com. They provide Supercoach rings for your Supercoach leagues. Uh, They're very nicely designed rings. They've sent us a couple to have a look at. And so go check them out on Facebook as well, Supercoach Championship Rings. If you want to up the stakes of your favourite league a little bit further. I think they're very close to running out of stock. So jump in now. You might be able to get one of the last remaining championship rings for 2020. We're also... Well, I'd also like to give a shout-out to uh, my main man, Terry, over at Blue Abroad. Um, You can check out his YouTube channel. Just look up Blue Abroad if you want to see some cool Carlton... Uh, content, both video and audio and everything. So, you can check those out. But, here we are. Oh, and thank you to Telebeats as well. We're full of people to thank today for the lovely music you've either heard or are about to hear. I'm not sure. I haven't edited the podcast yet. Joining me today to talk about all things Supercoach as we approach the start of round two. It's been a long time since we've been able to say that. First of all is Damo. Damo, you beautiful bastard over in WA. How are you? I'm good, Lek. I'm ready for the season to begin again. Um, I really want round two to get underway, and hopefully all my Supercoach mistakes aren't actually mistakes after all. I, we can only hope, but hey, mine are probably mistakes. So if you did the opposite to me, you'll be fine. And joining us for the first time making his podcast debut is Clarky, Quantum Clarky himself. How are you, you wonderful man? Oh, I'm, I'm looking at my team now, and... Uh... I, I was better off not knowing. Uh, <laughs> I'm very excited, though, to really get back to it. It's um, It's been a long time. It's been a long time. I uh, Well, we will go through our teams, but I figure maybe we can try and run through some news, some Supercoach-relevant news. Uh, guess what? We still don't have a lot of rookies, boys. <laughs> Damo, the only name that I've really heard is uh, Azak, oh, Azak, Isaac Rankin. Uh, from Gold Coast. He's the only one I've heard as like a possible addition to our Supercoach teams. Well, yeah, no one's really talking about anyone else that might come in. Um, We've heard the murmurings that Darcy Cameron might come in because Mason Cox is struggling with knee soreness and Ben Reid is one sneeze away from tearing his calf again. And then we've also got um, Will Gold, who's constantly on the fringe at Sydney, it seems. And then we've also got uh, Lockie Scholl, who was... um, Singled out by Brody Smith at at, at Adelaide. Yeah, Lockie Scholes. Uh, well, I, I was hopeful for him, but the more I read about that through that article, the less likely I thought I felt that it was going to be him that came to that side. Uh, sounds like Shane McAdam pushing for a spot, but uh, that doesn't fill me with confidence. Might it might be just mid price madness with these five trades we've got, Damo? Even Carlton, Tom Williamson, he's not close to it. He's fit, but he's not close to it. So. All these guys I was hoping to see, I'm, I'm slightly worried about. Um, speaking of mid-prices, who are we looking to bring in? Clark, I'm going to throw straight to you on the Jack Viney discussion. We talked about it last week. I've thought about it a lot more this week. Is Jack Viney in your team? Is he going to come into your team? I started Viney, um, so I got that beautiful 186 score from round one, and it, was, it validated every single doubt that I had. Uh, I think he's, you know... 
for as cliche as it sounds, he's got a lot to play for this season, you know, bumping down from co-captain, but he still wants to show that he's a leader and he's he just loves being around the ball. He's a good tackler. I think he's someone who probably isn't going to get, like, you know, 180s every, every other week, but I think we could probably see him pump up to, you know, 100-plus average. So whether or not that means he's a keeper, um, if you started him, you're probably very happy to keep him for a little bit longer. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Bryce Mitchell, we talked about this last week. If he tons up twice in the next two rounds, he'll jump up to about 540k. Anything more as a bonus, anything less, well, it hurts a little bit. So, Damo, if if the planets align and he does get to 540k, uh, let's say he peaks at 550k for the sake of discussion, is he worth trading in? to get him to 550k, then probably to move him out. Uh, is it worth the two trades? Uh, in this shortened season, I don't think trades are the sort of commodity that you need to keep, just because uh, I think it was worked out by um, someone on Twitter. I forget their name, but thank you for working this out. Um, you can use every trade up until the finals and then have three trades during the Supercoach finals. Um, I know some people will want more trades during the finals just because obviously it's going to be harder to get your team to a point where it's wholly reliable with with premiums, but it just means that there's more opportunities for you to trade someone in, benefit from their cash rise, and then trade them out, even if it's only a short stint. And with Jack Viney, um, he only needs to go up to 550 or 60k to, to be worth his time in your team. Um, and he's also at Carlton and Essendon first up in his first two weeks, meaning there is every chance that he could come out with another 120, 130 sort of, sort of scores, um, which would make his price jump, which would make his price jump even higher because obviously the projections that um, Bryce Mitchell um, did was sort of estimating a hundred average over the first two or three weeks. Yeah, it's, it, it, I think it's a tall order for him. Like, I know he's obviously not been healthy previously. There's always been issues, blah, blah, blah. He only averages 76 against the Blues, and he only averages 71 against Essendon. So my concern would be, can he turn up consistently? Because you want him to turn up. It's a little bit of points chasing and a little bit of cash chasing going after him just because he scored 180. Obviously, he had a good preseason. But the cash it's going to generate, if you went sideways to him from a McPherson or a someone in the 400s, or you went down to him and even made cash from a primo, he makes that cash back pretty quickly, even if he doesn't turn up. Like, he's still going to make some cash back. So, with trades being not that much of a commodity, I don't hate bringing him in, but my preference is always going to be to try and find rookies if we have them available. So, let's talk about another guy in a similar boat. Clarky, Jeremy Howe, is he in your team? Is he going to be in your team? $431,000, 156 in round one, and uh, is set to skyrocketing price. In fact, we can throw Sam Doherty in this conversation, 117 in round one, similar price. Uh, I started Doherty. Uh, I think that was a no-brainer, um, just you know, past, past, present, and future king of the defensive line. He's going to do well. Um, Howe is definitely someone I've looked at, uh, particularly when uh, my team specifically has a very light back line as far as proven primo or even mid-prices. So uh, it pretty much jumps from I've got Robertson at 260 and then my next highest is Doherty at 436. So someone in the middle there who has the potential to meet that scoring, you know, getting rid of 
possibly a Stasevic who maybe now is more on a fringe than he was before to bring in someone like Howe who has a set position, is going to get time and has the potential to score. Um, I think it's it's probably a move that I'm going to make, um, particularly when I'm looking at Zerk Thatcher and Stasevic and even Brander. Um, I think Noble might hold his position, who's someone else that I've got, but um, I think Howe is probably someone who could just make me feel a little bit more comfortable. And I'm going to dump our friend of the podcast, Paige Cardona, in it, in this, uh, because she has stated to me that Jack Madgen is 100% in the plans for Collingwood, which will free up Howe. And I think, look, he's not going to score 156, but I think he's going to score reasonably well. And, and I don't think there's any danger in bringing him in, as you said, Clarky, in a particularly weak part of the ground. Damo, any hesitance in getting a player like Jeremy Howe into your back line? Uh, no hesitance from me, uh... Just as a purely um, option as a player that's going to average 90-plus is pretty much the best that you can hope for, and I think he could quite easily stick around that 95 average. He obviously won't score 150s every week, but um, the, the 94s, 95s, even a 96 average is very achievable for him, especially in this shortened season, uh, shortened season with shortened games because um, a set, intercept marking and key players will be rewarded on the... Supercoach scoring sheet. Yeah, and, and I think uh, I think everything you, you've said is correct, and I think we should focus more on these mid-price slash cheaper players in these discussions because I don't think anyone is sideways training. Like, can you guys think of a circumstance where you might sideways trade, say, Patrick Dangerfield to a, another full primo, full primo price, or is pretty much every instance going to be about cash generation and downgrading a, a, a primo, like a Dunkley maybe? into a cheaper guy. Is there any instance where we need to talk about full price primos uh, in your eyes, Clarky? I think um I think a lot of people are probably just going on that uncertainty where they want they want the security and I understand that, but are you really costing yourself by say, you know, going down I've seen, you know, the big one that I've seen a lot of people talking about is going down from Gorn to somebody else where it's, you know, you've got this person who's gonna guarantee you points instead of you know, even though you're looking for that cash generation, you're probably better off trying to sideways a rookie um, or just find that money elsewhere than downgrading a, say, full primo or even close to full primo um, who's probably going to hold like a danger field specifically or even a Dunkley. They're still p- going to score pretty well. Um, the cash generation is hard, but you're still, at the end of the day, looking for those points. And I think, yeah, that's something that you have to take in account when you're making those trades is don't shoot yourself in the foot just to save your arm. Uh, because you're still going to end up sad. Yeah, in the top 10 traded out players so far, we've had 3,000 coaches trade out Bontempelli and half of that trade out Max Gorn. So are you saying to those people, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, uh, pretty much specifically as well with uh, Max Gorn. You know, I might, might be a little bit biased as the Melbourne supporter, but I think he's just someone who, you know, people were concerned pre-season about his injuries um, as well as his return there. But I think you can't deny that like, yeah, money's great, but you can't deny that he's not going to go 93 every game for the rest of the season. People are going, they look at the the one score, they get the tunnel vision and then they go, well, I can, I can use my money better elsewhere. And yeah, if that works for your strategy, that's fine. But at the end of the day, you're probably still going to try and bring him back in, which is going to hurt you if he does, you know, like uh, Dan was saying, they've got Carlton and Essendon who, Probably pretty good for Gorn as a tap Bruckman to go up against them and score big. Yeah, and Damo, in terms of uh, 
trading for guys who are mid-priced and scored well in round one. Jeremy Howe, we talked about this last week. I think it's easier to be a top 10 defender or forward option than it is to be a top two ruckman and a top 10 midfielder. I'm pretty content with holding my quality midfielders and holding my quality ruckman and trying to work around the edges because they're going to generate the points. They're going to be good all year. Uh, whereas the forward line and, and back line can be very volatile in, in how they score. I carry on this thought, Damo, because we didn't get to talk about him really last week because Patch got very angry. But Chad Wingard is one of the most traded in players this year. He is scored 131 in round one, and he uh, is forward, mil- forward midfield eligible at 412k. Is he someone that you'd be considering? I've I've constantly been considering him instead of Jack Viney, purely just for the structure of my team' sake. And as and even though he's not someone who typically scores big every round, he's someone who has that ceiling just because of his ability to play through the midfield and up forward really effectively. Um, but I guess people have to deci- also decide what they saw because don't abandon your plans that you had at the beginning of the season just because it's a shortened season you should still technically um, stick to that plan and just remember the players you wanted on your team that you couldn't afford at the beginning just because um you know players who score well will still score well it's just the mid prices will be rewarded for doing those little things more because in this shorter game format obviously there's more points to to go around in le- in in less time yeah i think jeremy howe at 430k and sam doherty at 430k we could call we could consider them fallen primos in defense i reckon about 450k up you're 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 close to a primo right so these guys are underpriced for various reasons they're just below 450k. They're fallen primos who uh, have have a history of being able to score. A guy like Chad Wingard in the forward line at 400k, the only appeal he has to be is that forwards, forwards always suck. But is he going to be a top eight forward? I don't think so. And, and that's why when I look and I see Jai Simkin as another guy who's been traded in a lot by coaches this round or pre-round two um, at 380k, uh, I think that's a mistake as well. Although I prefer that to Chad Wingard because he's 30k cheaper. Um, so, David, do you think the cheaper the player is, the less the risk is in, in making those moves? The best advice I can give people is don't be scared of a scary forward line. Um, don't be scared to fill your forward line with the likes of Ben Long, Brett Bewley, Jai Simkin. You know, these players that have scored well in round one and are due to make massive price jumps later on just because they scored higher than their price um so players like jay simpkin obviously because he's cheaper will make more money off his 133 that he scored than chad wingard will who scored 131 um because obviously chad wingard is more expensive yeah uh clarky uh, damo just mentioned ben long who played very well uh, playing in a sort of rebounding defensive role in round one um, we touched on him last week, but is he someone in your plans, or is, or Brett Bewley, or someone in that two hundred and fifty to two hundred and eighty k mark? So I haven't. I have looked at Bewley. Bewley's been uh, someone who's very attractive on my list, but um, I would like to just step back uh, quickly to Jai Simkin. 
Um, and I hate to put him on blast because he's not here, and I love the man, but Patch uh, did mock me pre-season for suggesting that Jai Simpkin was a good selection. Uh, I know that, yes, everything that's happened and the rounds have been, uh, you know, delayed and things like that, but 131 for 383. um, I think, you know, just talking about, you know, the comparison between, like, say, someone like him or Wingard, um, for 383, and he is looking like he's probably you know, he was set to have a little bit more midfield time. Um, guys like him and Buley and uh, Long is someone who I'm going to look into. Uh, they're definitely people who are more attractive to me, but I think my issues still mostly come from the back line. Um, you know, Brayshaw, I think, is still someone who people could, you know, you wouldn't be wrong, like Damo said last week, you wouldn't be wrong to trade him out, but keeping him doesn't necessarily present a huge risk because he's still going to be there. Um but you look at guys like Sturt is somebody who is still on my list there. Um, you know, the Max Kings, the Kavaras, the Taylors, the Rankings, and all those guys. So maybe moving them up to Buleys or Longs is the safer and, you know, better efficient or more efficient selection. Let's talk about that demo because um, Sam Sturt, obviously, injury cloud. But there are some players who might be coming back, particularly at Fremantle. Stephen Hill, a chance to play round two, and Hayden Young might be another one that we could look at. Damo, what are the, what's the news on them, and have we got any hope of having them come back from that side to bolster the defence? Um, I can sort of cover off on both of the WA teams. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day that Ryan Daniels was, was on, great Channel 7 r- reporter, very... Um, prominent in the WA m- media, shout out to, to him. He was basically saying Jared Brander will be given every opportunity to lock down a role in that West Coast team um, because West Coast basically need him to show something this season or he's effectively out the door. Um, Bailey Williams, who was a popular pick in the preseason, um, will be given a chance at some point, um, but maybe later on in the season. Um, and then he was talking about Stephen Hill more likely for round three than round two because they're still working with match fitness and strength and conditioning on him. Um, but Hayden Young will definitely feature um, in one of the hub games, as will Caleb Sarong and Toby Watson. Um, and then you've got the likes of Jesse Hogan, who is firming for, um, for, for round two. But obviously he's coming from a long way back as well. There's still question marks, and round two might not be the answer. Um, my theory is we're going to get a lot of players coming back in like round three, <laughs> which is which is which is a concern. Let's throw it out the out the window, guys. I'll ask you some questions of players of primo players that you'd be looking to bring in because we've talked about mid prices and rookies. I don't think the focus should be on primos, but Clarky, a guy like Zach Williams, he's going to come back in round two for GWS. He's 550k, dominated last year. Is that a player that you might let's let's say you by some miracle you're able to trade him in to bolster your defense is or even sacrifice a primo elsewhere because there's such a lack of rookie options is Zach Williams someone you might look look at? Zach Williams is somebody who last year I was in love with him because he did so much for my team, um, really really helped me that year. But I, I think around that price bracket, so. I mean, if you're looking at bringing in a primo in the defense with a shortened season, limited game time, I think people might be overlooking like a Shannon Hearn um, rather than a Zach Williams who... Shannon Hearn, he historically just decreases over the season, um, whether that be because of age or what have you or whether it's stamina. 
Um, I think with a shortened game time, shortened season, he's somebody who could probably very consistently perform at a high level. Um, so I would say, you know, um, just trying to bring up the price here just to see if I'm not wasting my time. So he's 562 uh, currently listed at 152 in round one. Um, you know, if you're going to go to a Zach Williams, why not consider a Shannon Hearn? Um, yeah, that, I think that that's kind of probably someone more I'd be looking at who's probably maybe primed to go higher up uh, because of that limited game time because I'll have more in the tank to last you. Yeah, and so I, I don't mind that idea of, of looking at a guy like a Hearn 560k um, because Damo, let's say worst case scenario, all of our defensive rookies, uh, we, we've, we've barely got any to choose from. Are you going to be willing to sacrifice a premium midfielder to bring in a premium defender? Is that logic sound or you just try and ride it out with the bare bones in the back line, um, maybe have a zero on the bench, even knowing you've got a zero going into round two to keep that, to maintain that structure in the midfield. What's, what's the way to go in a worst case scenario, particularly in defense? I'd be very surprised if at some point during this season, you don't have a donut on your field at some point, um, just because of the way the season's going. And most teams are saying, if you're fit, you, you're going to play. Um, but obviously that was back when they were considering hubs and all that s- sort of stuff, like act- like hubs that they send six teams to and all that sort of stuff. So who knows if that's still the plan for clubs, but um, there are also, um, but those same clubs are also um, ones that are going to be really heavily hitted by this um, list reduction. So you'll see teams trying to see who's worth keeping on their list and That'll mean lots of change, lots of rookies, etc., etc., just to see who's worth keeping. So back to your question, like about who do you sacrifice if that comes, if if that happens? I don't think you sacrifice anyone. I think you ride your team in the structure you have the best you can and try and get the most points on the field, even if it means putting someone on field who's literally going to score you twenty five points, just so you don't have a donut. Then you got to ride that out. Don't go chasing. Um, don't go chasing players who will make a score go just make keep your structure the best you can you'd have to have planned very well to not have a donut on your field at one point during this season yeah and i but i guess that's a good point we don't have to worry about buys this season which is good so you can pretty much trade in anyone you want and not worry about them guaranteeing to be missing around later on so so that's one benefit um i it's it's totally impossible for us to tell everyone what to do without a seeing the teams initially and b knowing what their circumstances are. But fundamentally, I don't mind trading around the edges. I'm not trading one of my core structure like a, a Gorn or a Dangerfield. I was looking at like a talk to me, spitball this one with me, guys. I was thinking about trading Clayton Oliver to Jack Viney. I, I don't think I'm going to, but that was my my thought process earlier in the week. Clucky, do you think that's a good idea? Absolutely not. Um, I love Jack Viney. I'm glad that I picked him. It's kind of more of a mid-price that paid off. I think the the scary thing about Viney is that he has in the past been someone that they've called to, to be a lockdown player, um, which means that he can potentially, depending on however they decide to play the match, um, he could be someone who just moves away from the ball, even though he loves being there. Um, I think Clayton Oliver is he's someone that they want the ball in his hands 
Um, you can't go, you can't deny that. You watch the way Melbourne play, they want to give it to Oliver so that he can get it out to guys like Viney or to guys like even Petraka. Um, you know, those guys out in the fringe, you know, Tomlinson, Langdon, all those guys who can now run it for them. And that answer, boys, is why I think you've got to hold on to your gun primos that you've selected and researched in the preseason because you don't have all those reasons and justifications for Clayton Oliver's role because you know Clayton Oliver's role. It's be Clayton Oliver. Jack Viney is going to have to be flexible and, and do team stuff, and we don't know necessarily what his role is going to be every single week. So that answer alone says to me, you've got to back in what you know. Um, and that means backing in your primos. There are some underpriced guys who we do know what their role is going to be. We do know that they're going to be good selections. Like a Sam Doherty, he's in a lot of teams. Devin Smith, he's in a lot of teams. And rightfully so, because they are underpriced, but we do know what their role is going to be. You don't have to try and justify selecting those guys. So if you're out there community and you're thinking, I'm going to trade Max Gorn to Sam Naismith, because Sam Naismith is going to be the number one ruckman and he might average 90 and blah, blah, blah. You don't have to do that mental arithmetic with Max Gorn because it's Max Gorn and you just keep Max Gorn. And that's kind of where I'm at, Dame. I'm kind of just at the... I'll wait till the teams are named. I'll get in as many rookies as I can, and I'm just going to hold the guys that I backed in. Yeah, like you said, tinker around the edges. Don't mess with your main structure just because you know what the primos are going to play are going to play like. Basically, you know Patrick Dangerfield is going to be bursting through the center with some stints forward. You know that Nat Fife is is going to run through the center and spend time forward. You know that Lockie Neal is going to play right in the guts for Brisbane. You know that. Jack McRae is going to play right in the guts for the Western Bulldogs. You you know you know where all these players are going to play that you've that you've picked. It's the mid prices or the or the or the slightly higher priced uh, uh, rookies that are the ones that might have to change their role just to fit the, the team dynamic. So people picking someone like a Jacob Townsend at two hundred twenty two k fine, he scored 99 and he's going to have a nice price rise, but he's not going to score four goals against Fremantle every, every week because he's not playing Fremantle every week. Um, it's it, like Ben Long scored 118 at 280k, I think it is. That's fine, but people... Um, if you, you talk to people who watch that game, they didn't actually think he was that prominent, so... Who, so who knows if he's going to do that, whatever he did in that game, again, to score those points. Tinker with the edges of your team, not with the main not with the main structure. Yeah, I think it's pretty simple. I think you can trade out the guys that you thought might break out, like the guys you took risks on. I think you can take risks on again with the five trades in round one, um, assuming they're not all, relied, not all required for rookies. I don't think we're going to be so lucky to have five new rookies to pick from. But uh, I think if you took a risk on a guy at the start of the year, you can take a risk on getting rid of him now. But I don't think you can uh, risk getting rid of one of the guys that you backed in to be a gun. And, and you know, Patrick Dangerfield scored 83 in round one and people want to get rid of him. And guess what? He's playing at GMHBA Stadium for 800 years now and he's going to score 130 every game. So I don't think we need to overreact to these. Um, I've got some, some questions, Clarkie. Or maybe we'll just go a yay or nay on some of these guys. Just looking at the most trade, some of the most traded in players so far, um, I'll talk about guys we haven't talked on. John Noble, yay or nay, 74, 200K in round one. Yep, we already got him. I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna stick with him if he's named. 
Damo, Isaac Heaney, 152, 510k. Nay. Uh, Sam Jacobs, one of the most popular traded in players, 134 in round one, uh, Clarkey. Uh, it's, it depends on who you are switching him with. If you're getting rid of Gorn or a Grundy, um, if that's your current setup, then a Nay. If you're jumping off, say maybe a Nay Smith or even a Nick Nat, I would probably say yay. Yep. 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 I don't mind that. Nick Nat playing away from home for the next few weeks. Yeah, I have Nick Nat, and that is that is a potential problem. Damo, Ben Cunnington. is uh, People are liking him as to his 185 in round one. Nay. And uh, well, this is the last yay or nay for this one. Hugh Greenwood is uh, a popular pick playing all the next four games on the Gold Coast, I believe, or in Queensland. 116 points in round one, Clarkey. Oh, that, I'll, probably, I'll probably stay with a nay. Uh, I'd probably like to see a little bit more from him um, and just, yeah, from the Gold Coast team in general. And Damo, in this, well, these are the most traded out players. Just want a, a hold or trade. Dylan Roberton? Trade. Ben Kavara is one of the most traded players. <laughs> trade. Definitely trade. Andrew Brayshaw? Case-by-case basis. <laughs> Marcus Pontepelli. <laughs> Ooh, hold. Uh, Darcy McPherson? Trade. trade. <laughs> I'm trading him. And then Josh Dunkley and Max Gorn are 9th and 10th in the most traded out players. Trade and hold. Trade Josh Dunkley. Speak to me about the idea of trading Josh Dunkley, Damo. I'm, I'm, I was firmly in the camp of he's a, he was a must-have preseason. Just, but that was back when it was going to be the war of attrition in longer games, longer longer season with the buyers, etc., etc. Because he's got more time to warm into it. This season, I don't, I can't see him pumping out those massive scores again. I feel like if you get rid of him now, and I know this is this is super. I'm breaking a super coach law here. Um, if you trade him now, I guarantee you can get him cheaper later. Fair, fair enough. Do you agree, Clarky? Yeah, I think um, I think your money is probably better spent. Um, I think there's a little bit more value around where Dunkley's sitting. Um, Particularly, yeah, if your midfield is having trouble and that's the option, absolutely don't hesitate. I actually, I'm a, uh, I'm a hold man because he was ranked fifth overall last year, and uh, guess what? He was pretty shit in round one from memory then too, or round two. Um, so I'm a hold, but uh, you, hey, it's a democracy, and you're allowed to both say the wrong opinions if you would like to. Firmly, I'm firmly digging in. 620 is 623 currently. You could go to Dangerfield for 2k if you don't have Dangerfield. It's true. You could go down to uh, Steven Ganigliog for and gain about 100k. Yeah, absolutely. These guys who have have set roles will probably be consistent. Tom Mitchell. Tom Mitchell is another one worth considering. He's only had more time to heal that leg, uh, even yet. Patrick Cripps, 635. Josh Kelly, 637. All these people around the same price as Josh Dunkley who are probably going to continue getting tons if you don't already have them. Fair enough. I, Yeah, they are better. They are all better than Josh Dunkley. 
Fair enough. He was fifth overall last year, though. We know that. Oh, absolutely. Look, I, I don't, I don't condone it just for the sake of it. Um, certainly, I agree with Damo, and I agree with you where you should stick to what your core strategy is, and you should really be looking at where to move those people. It's the same people who are moving Max Gorn because he scored a 93 or because they're concerned. It's why are you trading out somebody who is going to be good? Um, one round does not make it the super coach player. Um, so, you know, let's keep a hold of him if you can. But, if, you know, if you want to spend another 2K, you've got five trades and you've used three of them to trade out your troublesome rookies that you mispicked, then absolutely, you know, if that's that's how you want to fly, I support that. But don't do it just because you can. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't actually have to use all five trades. That is a good point. You don't have to. You can use them later on, just not all at once. And just for clarification, Lick, um, can you go through how the price rises work again? I can do my best. Right. A player's price will change after they have played their second game. They effectively, they're still rolling with a three-round average, which is how the break-evens are created in Supercoach. It's your last three scores versus your price, effectively, and there's maths, and that's how you increase or decrease in price. This season... That happens after you've played your second game because they've effectively applied a score to you based on your price, um, your starting price. So that also means whatever you scored in round one, Jeremy Howe, for instance, if he had scored um, 156 in round one last year, he would have only benefited from that being in his rolling average for one round. He would have only seen one price rise out of that. But because of the new setup, that actually stays in his rolling average for two games meaning his cash generation is increased for um, for two weeks rather than one. So that's just a, a little difference. After the second game is played, the uh, the price changes go as normal effect, basically. Basically, things go back to normal. But that's why it's actually a reasonable idea to capitalize on these guys who have scored well in round one because you're getting their score for two rounds rather than one, um, which, we, which would have been the case in previous years. Uh, and it's the same way for bad scores. Previously, that would have only affected... Probably if, doesn't really affect their price if they play badly in round one because it's only in there for one game. But in this year, 2020, it does sit in that rolling average for two weeks. So that's why we're spending so much time talking about what players did in round one because it does have double the effect it's previously had in Supercoach. So it is a big deal. Um, even though it's only a very small sample size. So, hopefully that answered your, your question, Damo. Um, I tried to be as eloquent, as clear as I can be, but it was also maths, and I'm also not maths man. Yeah, I think I think how you explained it is um, is pretty pretty spot on, and it's kind of, it. if you look at the people who are bringing in these guys who were lower priced but scored really well in round one because they will reap the benefit in a price size the jack vineys the townsends those kinds of guys the inverse is also the same for the premiums who scored well like they're still going to go up they now have the benefit of another round where they might get slightly further out of your reach for the ones that scored particularly well lucky neil 157 in round one you know tom mitchell with a 119 will probably sit around the same but you have these guys now who before it was like okay i can look at this and corrective trade in those first couple rounds before the price rides now you have less time to do that yeah that's that's a good point the the supercoach projections has locky neil for instance going up to 684k um over the next few weeks because his break evens 
you know, for him, reasonably low, 94. So that's a good point, which we haven't touched on. If, if you had a super prima like Lockie Neal, who's going to play in Queensland for the next four games, can you get him in and should you try to? Because we hadn't thought of, we hadn't discussed the primos who did really well. Um, Damo, is Lockie Neal someone that we should be targeting if, if you can have the luxury of sideways trading uh, when teams are named next week? He's someone who, if you have the cash, Dunkley to, to, to Neil, easy as that. Um, he's someone that you really should have started with. I know it's easy to say that in in hindsight, but I always felt that he was going to be the number one midfielder at the end of this season. And it and with the shortened season, and even with a lot of games on the Gold Coast now, he, that that's might become even more of a reality. And there might be quite a berth between number one and number two. And by the way, while we're talking about it, this thought's just occurred to me. Um, if you didn't start Brody Grundy, there is no better time than getting him in now because his break even's only 89 and he scored 179 in round one. His price, look, it's predicted to go up above 750k um, and it's not going to drop, really. <laughs> he's he's pretty damn good. So if you did start Brody Grundy, now's your chance. You've got five trades to work out how to rectify that. I don't mind breaking your entire team to get him in. Am I crazy in saying that, Clarky? I'm literally clicking the buttons as you were saying it because I'm realizing... So uh, I was one of those crazy people who was like, you know what, Nick Knapp, that's some good value there. He's elite uh, now with a shortened season. So I started Gorn and Nick Knapp uh, over Grundy to save myself that, you know, sweet, sweet 5,000 or 8,000 or whatever the difference was. Um, but now I'm looking at it, I'm like, I have no other option. Um, if you don't have them now, you should be bringing them in. Use your five trades effectively, make your money get him in yeah yeah and so his upcoming games richmond averages 109 st kilda averages 112 gws 103 and essendon he averages 95 so now's your chance to get him in community and you don't really have another one until it's too late in the season in my opinion um just something i thought of then because i was looking at it going hey he scored pretty well he did all right thanks for joining me today damo you beautiful human not a problem, not a problem, Lek. It was great to have Clarky on for his debut. It was. What a debut, by the way, Clarky. Just come out and it's going to... I think you're going to hold your spot. I think Patch is in some trouble. You know, it's uh, you know, good to put the fire under that some of these guys have been the team for a while, you know. Just got to come in here and perform my best, bring in the rookie rookie vibes. It's been an amazing community and I, um, I, I, uh, I'm so excited. I'm so goddamn excited. <laughs>